Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. As we continue on in our worship, let us listen now to our gospel reading as it comes to us from the gospel according to John, chapter 11, verses 7 through 16. This is the word of our God, so let us listen. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk in night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. During a 1992 interview with the American Songwriter magazine, John Denver said that the song that we just sung, For Baby, For Bobby, was the fourth song he ever wrote. The inspiration for the song came after John Denver flunked out of college, flunked out of Texas Tech. I appreciate good alliteration, and I appreciate a name like that. Much to the disappointment, though, of his parents and to anyone who really knew him, they were disappointed he didn't make it through school. And so he did what any, I guess, young musician would do. He moved out to California to play music scraping by at $100 a week. It was at this time, though, John Denver joined a music group, another musical group called the Mitchell Trio. And it was in Scottsdale, Arizona, where he met a girl to whom John Denver would dedicate this song to. In his words, the song was an early attempt to order his romantic thoughts. While it's a song about love, it is also a song that I think speaks to deeper relationships. Relationships that are built, yes, on love, built on that kind of in-the-moment passion, but it also speaks to that deeper kind of mutual support. Mutual support and the source of where we find our commitment to care, where we find our purpose to care for one another. Of course, we might also extend that not just to our own human relationships, we might extend that to our relationship with God, the divine one who walks in the rain by our side, 
and who clings to the warmth of our hands. Of course, it might be difficult for us to imagine that kind of bond or that kind of relationship with God, but I think we can catch a glimpse of it this morning. At least we can catch a glimpse of just how much God does care about these relationships. In our reading for this morning, as Jesus visits his friend Lazarus. But before we dive into the text, before we take a closer look at these relationships, um, I talked about this before, but I'm going to do a little bit of a, of a refresher because I forget how long ago it was I talked about it, and I also don't want to put any of you on the spot in terms of trying to rack through your heads of whether or not you remember. So before we take that look at these relationships that are meaningful and how they speak to the song we sung and to our reading, we're going to take a short look at the different kinds of relationships we find in Scripture, especially the ways in which the Bible talks about love, about these foundational forms of love and relationships. If you need a refresher, the Bible talks about many different forms. There's four main ones, though, that I think are going to be important for us today, and that is eros, storge, philia, and agape. Now, I'm not going to do a repeat after me also, so no worries. But we have eros first. Eros is this Greek word. It's this Greek root also because it sounds probably familiar to things we have in English. But it's this word for this sensual or romantic love. It's passionate. It's that kind of flame that can at some point seem all-encompassing, a type of love that we hear John Denver certainly sing about in his song, For Baby, For Bobby, as well as in, maybe surprisingly, other books of the Bible, such as the lovely Song of Solomon, basically one whole big love song. Next, we have storge, a term that we don't often talk about in Scripture. Well, perhaps not using this term exactly, but it is a term that is often used to talk about our familial relationships, that bond, that connection we have with those who are in our family. It's the type of love that Mary and Martha had for their brother Lazarus. It's also one of the forms of love God calls the church to embody, of course, expanding that definition of family to be all-encompassing. Next, we have philia. Uh, I probably have used this before, so pardon me, but, you know, we have the city Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Philia, or this deep bond of friendship, is the most intimate, non-romantic form of love the Bible teaches as a spiritual practice. This type of love transcends any kind of blood relationship or things that might divide us otherwise, whether it be race or culture or ideologies. It's a type of love that requires respect, requires trust and compassion and empathy. It's that deep bond of friendship. Now, I know while Callum was here, he talked about David and Jonathan. That is one example, I think, of that kind of uh, love philia. We also might say, though, that Jesus had this love as well for Mary and Martha and Lazarus as he visited his friend 
who was sleeping. Finally, we have this form of love called agape. We might say it's the highest form of love. It's a love that God has for all of humanity. It is a love that God has for all of humanity, also has for all of creation. It's love that is immeasurable. We can't put a worth or a value on it. There's no way we can measure it. It's love that is self-sacrificing, self-giving. It's love that has no strings attached. There's no terms, no conditions, no small dotted lines at the bottom of a contract. It is just pure love. For we know that sometimes in our own relationships, we attach terms and conditions to our love. Perhaps you've been in relationships or friendships where you have had terms and conditions applied to you, or you've applied it to other people. But in this case, in agape, in this kind of relationship, in this form of love, God expects nothing in return in terms of applying those conditional parameters of whether we receive it or not. It is just pure love. Now, we should strive to live out each day with the love God has for us, agape. We should strive to embody, to live out this kind of self-giving, self-sacrificing love. At the very least, we should strive to carry out philia, the form of love in our relationships with one another. And yes, yes, that includes those people, those people with whom we might disagree with. It includes people we perhaps never have even met. It includes people perhaps with whom we might have a complex past. That is what this kind of love asks of us. Now, I thought it'd be fun to talk about politics today, but no, I'm good. As a, as a seminarian, I'll say this, that in seminary, of course, I made friends with, yes, other Presbyterians with whom I did not particularly agree with, but there were also people who came from other Christian traditions people who held on to certain views of interpreting scripture or of, of certain doctrines that, in my eyes, just were not that appealing. But yet, even though we had these doctrinal differences, we still were able to form communities in which we could engage in healthy dialogue and in ways in which we prayed for one another, cared for one another, were able to be there for one another in times of need and in times of joy. That is the kind of love that we need today, a kind of love that allows us to peel back any of our own blinders that we might have on, blinders that say, well, if this person doesn't agree with me, or if this person treats me a certain way, or if this person didn't do this, or they come from somewhere else, I'm not going to help them. The type of relationship and the type of love we hear in our reading for today, and in our reflection, and in the poetry we also heard, asks us to do something more, to allow the better angels within us to speak, to sing, to have their chorus 
ring. What also we hear in this type of love, whether it be agape or philia or even this uh, familial love and storge, we hear a call to do not what is easy, but to do what is hard. To do what is hard and not to do what is easy. It would have been easy for Jesus to just have been there to prevent Lazarus's death. It would have been very easy, as we have seen Jesus heal and cure other people. But instead, Jesus does what is hard. Jesus does what is hard by showing up at a moment that seems where all hope is lost, where it seems like nothing else can be done. And what does Jesus do? He does the unthinkable, the unimaginable, by reversing destruction and chaos in a moment of resurrection. We are called to do what is hard. And for those of you who have been in long-established friendships or have been with romantic partners or even new beginnings, new friendships, new relationships, you'll know that doing what is easy does not always produce the best result. Doing what's easy may be convenient. It may be that, oh, I can just cross this off my checklist, but it does not always produce the best result. Doing what is hard, doing what is difficult, is what yields good fruit. Not just because of our sacrifice, but it is because of our ability to show care regardless of what we receive in return. If we undo the forces of destruction, undo the forces of chaos, we are going step by step closer in being good friends and being good family members and partners and being disciples. The list goes on. We are called to do what is hard, not what is easy in these relationships. And this applies as well our relationship to God. I think a perfect example of this is, I don't know um, how often you uh, check out the the news. Um, Quite honestly, I don't really see much unless a popular article pops up on my Facebook feed. But there was a very lovely article that I saw recently about a little league game in Waco, Texas. The pitcher just gets up there, he loses control of the ball, and at a pretty decent speed, hits the batter right in the helmet. Sends the other kid down to the ground, and man, I can't imagine what that must have been like, either for the person throwing the ball or for being the person on the receiving end of that headshot. And while the batter was wearing a helmet, they were still knocked down to the ground, They were a little shaken, a little stunned, and when they got back up, uh, I apologize uh, to those baseball fans out there. I don't know all the rules, but I'm pretty sure if you get hit like that, you're allowed to take a base. (laughs) So he gets up, takes his base, and the pitcher then gets back up to the mound, and they are pretty shaken after what just happened. And they begin to cry. Now, the batter who just got hit in the head, beamed pretty hard with a uh, softball and took a base, sees this 
and walks over to the pitcher on the mound. Walks over, gives him a hug, and tells him, you're doing great, let's go. And the game goes on. Though on opposite teams, in this remarkable or in this really great example of sportsmanship, these players lived out the deep human connection that Jesus calls us to embody. Demonstrates as well for us what it means to do what is hard, for example, like what we hear in our reading for John. It would have been easy to take advantage of the situation to just let, not say anything, and just let the pitcher be racked with nerves and try and finish out the game and then say something afterwards. But instead, this player went up did what was hard, made the conscious choice to step up and to provide comfort. And so now it is up to us as well to make the conscious choice, to step up, whether to the mound and seeing someone who is in need each day, and to provide that sense of tender care in our relationships with one another, in our relationships to our community, and our relationship to God. It is up to us now to do that hard work. John Denver sings of a song of love that is very beautiful, poetically beautiful. It's aesthetic. He fills his song with these images that we can really just picture. It comes alive. Though in this case for Denver, it wasn't a love that lasted. But that didn't stop him from walking in the rain with people that he loved and nature. It didn't stop him from clinging to the hands of people who were the least of these. It didn't stop him from singing songs that spoke to people's soul. So friends, let us aim for that level, that quality of friendship and love in our daily and our spiritual lives. Can we strive for that higher goal, knowing that our actions are almost as powerful as anything we might say or do here on Sunday morning? I think it's said beautifully in that poem that Jim read for us by uh, Khalil Gibran, the uh, late Lebanese poet, who said, and let your best be for your friend. For in the dew of little things, the heart finds its morning and is refreshed. Friends, let us open our hearts to that restorative power of the Spirit at work that draws us into deep relationship, draws us into deep relationship with God and with that image of God that is reflected in all our souls and in the heart of creation. Let us not be afraid to do what is hard. And let us allow that hard path to open up a new way, a new way that allows us to loosen the shackles of chaos and destruction. Let agape, the never-ceasing, the never-ending love of God, let that be our guide. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, 
you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.